Welcome to Shop Talk Live, Fine Woodworking's bi-weekly podcast. I'm here with Fine Woodworking's Tom McKenna. Hi. And Mike Pekovich. <laughs> Tom, that was like depressing. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Set the tone right there. No. I'm your host, Ben Strano. I'm Ben Strano. Uh, Do you want to redo that? No. I'm, I'm new at this. If you have any questions <laughs> you'd like us to answer on the show, send them into shoptalk at taunton.com. Any links or articles we mention will be on this episode's show notes page, which can be found at shoptalklive.com. And if you're listening on your phone and you listen like in the podcast app or something like that, the link should be working. They were, lo- they were working, then they stopped working, but they're working again. There was a button I had to hit, or actually we had someone else hit it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you go to like the more info thing... Links that we're talking about about articles should be available in the more info little tab in your podcast viewer. The more info thing. I like that. Yeah. That's a technical that's, name. That's high tech. The doobie-doo. All right. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button. Tom, you haven't been here for a while. Hi. Hey. <laughs> it's been a while. You've been busy. A little bit. Um, it's all good, though. In addition to the hands-on event down in Tampa, which we've been working hard putting together, um, that's happening February 1st through the 3rd, we've also um, rebuilt the Fine Woodworking membership program, and now we have something that we're calling Fine Woodworking Unlimited. 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 Can we get an echo on that, baby? Yeah. Um, which is a really cool product that you know we've been talking about for a long time um, and it brings together all of the product offerings that fine woodworking does you know we've got you know a whole website we've got a print product and so now there's going to be synergy finally between print and um, the web membership and synergy so, synergy wow. baby. yeah high tech right. um, so now you get it's a bundle package for 99 bucks a year you not only get the print subscription, but you get a membership that includes access to everything, including the uh, digital archives, um, the complete illustrated guide to woodworking, and a bunch of other things. Um, so that also basically gives you the video workshops, um, projects and plans, all the woodworking videos that we've got, which is like probably more than 900, it looks like. Wow. And um, Well, I mean, we've got 55... 55, video 55 56. By the time this comes yeah. out, it'll be 57, I think. Yeah. Video and so, workshops. And those are like 10 episodes a piece. Yeah. So. And so it's, you know, you'll also get the um, the Methods of Work collection, which was a, a book series that we did a few years ago that has basically almost every tip that you want or ever need in yeah, your life. Complete Illustrated Guides, where those are like 10. Oh, yeah. That's it, a, like a 10 volume yeah. set or something. I mean, that's I'll, everything. I'll yes. be honest with you. I didn't realize how in-depth the Complete Illustrated oh, Guides went. It's because, insane. And it wasn't until we... I mean, the we name should this. suggest that. <laughs> it's full of that. keywords, Ben. <laughs> but, you know, when when this got released, I was like, oh, I should probably go see what this is. <laughs> and, and I started clicking around the Complete Illustrated Guides, and it was like, oh, there's, there's a book here on sharpening written by Thomas Lee Nielsen. Yeah. I didn't that know that. Yeah, there's like a third sharpening book in the world I didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great collection. It's funny I I sort of forgot about it until <laughs> last year when we were talking about um, with our consumer marketing department about product offerings that we had for for the holidays and 
and looking at digital products, and I thought, well, you know, we've got this. Suddenly, it occurred to me, we've got this digital or complete illustrated guide sitting on my bookcase, and I thought, wow, we're digitizing everything, but let's do that too. And so that sort of evolved into the the membership program. Well, and they're, they're not. I mean, there's Gary Rogowski's written. I think Lonnie some. Bird is one. I yeah. Think yeah, he wrote one too. I think Jeff Jewett wrote one. Probably finishing. Um, I mean, they're. It's it's a substantial collection that I had honestly up until now ignored. It's complete. Yeah. And it's it illustrated. illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and it will guide your way. So all that for $99. How can yeah. we afford to do this? Oh, it's easy. We're, when has <laughs> that ever stopped us before? <laughs> We're going to lose money on this. This is amazing. Well, the good news is we, you know, um, since we announced it last week, um, you know, we've had more than 500 orders which is That's pretty great. outstanding. So people are eager for this. It's something So that, lunch is on you? <laughs> uh, no, that would okay. be the other boss. Right. Um, you know, it's true. But people have been asking about these bundle-type packages for a long time. And, you know, we do a, a great amount of audience research um, on, the, on the marketing side, but also on the editorial side. And so um, people were, were constantly asking about, hey, why isn't this part of the package? Why don't I get... Why is my member, web membership not included with my print subscription yeah. and things like that? And so now it's it's all there. So you get a pretty good deal. And the good news is this is really just the beginning. You know, now this is – I'm kind of thinking that this is the foundation and the framing of the house that we're building. And now we're going to start, you know, putting the furniture in, the accessories, things like that. Because yeah. it's going to – the membership experience is only going to get better. We have other ideas to um, – Include with the membership that will be a big benefit to the members. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna give them away right now, but it's like one of them. The the thing that I really love, and this is this talks about how great fine woodworking live is and things like that. One of the ideas was something that happened while we were at the breakfast, eating breakfast with a bunch of random readers and there was a conversation that started and they were like hey you guys should do this and i was like yeah and that's one of the things that we're going to roll out soon i, I don't want to give it away yet yeah we don't want to give it away because yeah. you know if we promise we'll have to do it on time yeah but <laughs> it, it's it's um it's it's hopefully going to clear up the confusion of i'm a website member why don't i have right. this why don't i have that that's exciting to me um it's exciting that the complete archive is available Oh, damn. to to online members now, which is is just or to unlimited members, I should say. Um, going back to if you want to see what's on page thirty two of issue four, you can do it. Yeah. That's cool. That's not just like looking up articles in some sort of online index. There's like every you know cover of every issue in order. Yeah. You can click on whatever magazine and learn about wooden. Sunglass frames and pool cues yep. and yeah. shop-made yeah. belt sanders from Clumpin. 1978. <laughs> but you just get lost in those oh, issues. Yeah. It's I really mean, cool. Just, I, one of my favorite things, I, I sometimes, when I'm actually doing work and looking for a specific article, I, I do get lost in kind of scrolling through the covers. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. As you get farther and farther back, it, it, it was like, wow, did we really put a nutcracker on the cover? Pool cues? <laughs> They're nice Things like that. Oh, they were nice nutcrackers. <laughs> For sure, but it's just fun to see from from my perspective um, the product how it's evolved and over the years. But the the other thing about unlimited that we should make clear is if you have an uh, existing membership to the website, mm-hmm. 
you can renew at your current price and it's sort of a you won't get all of the benefits of unlimited you will get um basically what you have now so you can continue yeah. to pay that price however we will not be offering a basic membership like that in the future so if you cancel that excludes certain online yeah, stuff like right, the archives or, right. right if you if you cancel your basic membership and try to renew you won't have that basic option anymore now but you but, can get – you can also do the unlimited membership monthly. It's nine yeah. ninety nine a month. Which is – I mean that's Netflix, you know? Right. That's um, – And you could also still get just a print subscription if that's what you want. Yeah. But so this there, unlimited is every – Oh, yeah. It's, it's the it's print everything. subscription. So every other month you're going to get the magazine. All the video workshops. All the video workshops. Everything that – the, and, the and, we're, and we're working on building a, a um, an exclusive member e-letter program for for the members. So that's something else to look forward to. Will you'll get exclusive content or you know first heads up about events and things like that. So yeah, there there are a lot of benefits for you know when it all breaks down. If you do the monthly uh, the yearly membership, it's like eight and a quarter a month. Cool, it's so, a lot. So in celebration of such things, what? We, and there's a little confusion in the YouTube world, you have to go to the finewoodworking.com show notes page and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, 175, and if you do that, it'll enter you into a drawing to win a year of unlimited membership. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Hey, one other, we had a, uh, I don't, I forgot to send it to Ben, that's that's my bad, but we have a chart that kind of lays out all of the benefits of each level of yeah. what you are. Maybe we can post that to help readers kind of mm-hmm. get their heads around. Let me you ask know. you this question. I'll do that. And you may not know, so I apologize for asking <laughs> this. Um, so let's say I am like a subscribe to the web for, what is that? A, that's a yearly thing that I'm subscribing to currently? Yeah. Uh, and it then, was monthly. It, you could do a monthly. Yeah. Okay. And then let's say that um, I currently subscribe to the print issue and I have two years left on my subscription. Oh, man. So Why now, are you doing this to him? how do I, like, and I want unlimited, but I'm already getting two years of magazines. Am I going to be able to? I think what you'll have to do, um, I don't know. That we can accommodate that. Okay, I'm sure it's just they, I don't know. You know, you'll have to call our customer service department, and they'll they'll take care. You of you. you you will get credited yeah. for yeah. the money you have. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's <clears> some <throat> there's a math formula out there that yeah. that are that are people using. I'm cool. not a math guy, but no, you know, I'm sure okay. that they'll allow you to upgrade. Yeah, they're not going to say no, right? I hope not. not if you tell them not <laughs> Someone's going to gonna get fired if they say no. <laughs> I, I, I feel the need to, to just make one note. Jeff is not here, so I keep looking at that camera over there and over here, and I'm all over the place, and that's why I'm looking at the camera creepily because I'm just making sure it's still recording because I'm super paranoid. All right. <clears throat> is it recording? Are we on? It is. And so know. is this one. So like every two minutes, you're going to see me go, record record well it's funny since the last time i was here you know you've really jazzed up your, it's all jeff uh, your your stuff over there They're like flashing lights i feel like i'm on you know getting ready to launch a space shuttle or we, something we probably had the new recorder um but jeff made this because people don't know jeff's a woodworker too and uh he snuck into the shop and made that's not good whatever 
Uh, he made this little podium thing that the microphones are on and all that stuff. And it's in chaos right now. And Jeff is sweating and freaking out because I've messed up his room. Ben is touching his he stuff. He touched it. He moved it. <laughs> this, well, this morning, he's like, you're putting it all back, right? <laughs> you should, you should yeah. post... Um, I'm sure we have it somewhere from last year's uh, no the year before the first year we did live at Southbridge with the the hardwood derby. Yeah. Jeff made an incredible car. Oh yeah. He turned the heaviest piece of wood I've ever <laughs> seen. It was like some weird cocobolo no I don't it was a scrap of heavy, you know, something. He turned it into a camera. Yes. So it was turned. It was a turned camera, and it was the cameras that we use. It was a Panasonic P two car. It was crazy. Yeah. So. so Jeff Jeff has some chops, and this is the one that Jeff will never listen to. This is the episode Jeff will never listen to because I have to edit it because I'm kind of behind right now. Oh. Well, plus he so. also doesn't want to know that you touched his stuff. He knows, oh. <laughs> and he's not happy. All right. Let's uh let's get on to some questions. Um, question number one is from Tom. I am building a credenza that will be 84 inches long. I almost said feet. Why do I do that? With solid walnut top and bottom. If the back is made of plywood, half inch or three quarter, is it okay to glue the back to the solid top and bottom pieces? Yes. All right. Question number two. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> so... I mean, an 84-inch long credenza, that's yeah. a big piece of furniture. Yeah. That's that a mongo. I would. Actually, um, finish your question because this is really interesting. Or, uh, yeah, before I was so rudely interrupted. Yeah. Or will w- differential wood movement cause this joint to fail? Yeah, and this was cool because I think that the longer question suggested that there is movement, slight movement along the length of boards as well as the width yeah. Like they said, it was almost zero, the full but question. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really piqued my interest because the short answer is no, wood does not expand and contract along its length. Does it really not any? I'm going to say no. Like if – would a scientist go, uh-uh-uh? Well, I know, but it's one of those things where it might be, but you're better off assuming there's no movement. Yeah. Just Because it's easier. <laughs> yeah. Just um, – <laughs> However, certain sheet goods do move, like MDF. MDF that moves, moves a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's amazingly movable. Why are you doing this to me? What? Yeah, oh, MDF yeah. will expand and contract. It's it, it isn't takes that the whole water. point of it? Well, I know it'll it's like stable, right? I know, but no. So it's flat, but it's going to move. I think maybe once you get it, like let's say you're using it as a veneer substrate, and it's and it's edge glued, and you have the. Okay. Near time, but it's if, probably if it's, not going to move. If it's sealed, move. it yeah. doesn't, doesn't do anything. But, but like painted you know, MDF panels yeah. in a like framing panel door, it moves, man. Mike knows. He built a kitchen. It does. Right? It's amazingly <laughs> moving. So It's amazingly um, moving. I, would, I wouldn't worry about it. If, so uh, this big case, basically all the grain is running along the length of the top and bottom, up and down the side. So that's all... In the same orientation, you glue a piece of plywood, say you, you glue and screw it to a rabbit in the back, you're good. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Not a bad and, thing. And it will add a lot of strength yes. and rigidity to the piece in general. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's this notion of, oh, everything needs to be solid wood. But dang, no. on a chest of drawers or something, a plywood back. And a lot of times, I mean, I actually rarely do it for clients because it's hard to... 
if you're selling yourself as like a craftsman and you do solid wood and traditional joinery, it's kind of hard to say, and there's going to be plywood back. Yeah. It's like, uh, but you know, what I have done is, I, I'm not going to say I learned this from Chris Bexford because I probably didn't. I don't <laughs> think he does this. But I have used like, um, like on a, say it's a cherry piece, I'll use cherry veneer plywood and frame it in so it looks like a frame and panel, yeah. but yeah. it's glued solid to that frame. There's a hardwood frame around it. Oh, even putting like a divider yeah, in the middle of it? Yeah, a vertical divider <laughs> frame. Funny, I, Glue that sucker in. That thing yeah. is rock solid. It's That's just awesome. like a piece of plywood. Yeah. I did the same thing on the, the cabinet on stand I built, I guess, a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago. Um, you spent more time on the back than... The back was incredible, but I had a piece of of, <laughs> um, of plywood, you know, uh, veneered plywood that I put in the back, glued it in place, and then I, you know, just applied kind of a frame around the edges, and it was pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt Kenny on his wall cabinets, he makes no apologies. He veneers plywood. Yeah. yeah. And because it's a really, really smart and stable way to go about doing it. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Craig Thibodeau. Yes. Who's, co- who's whose book? It's out. Oh, man. Have you seen Veneering. it? I haven't got it yet. Yeah. You know how like a lot of woodworking books like try to be all philosoph- philosoph- philosophical and tutti-frutti and why you should woodwork and how you go about <laughs> it and spending shop time wisely? Uh, that what? Like, what? Wait, wait. Whose books could be like that? That's, <laughs> that's a good book. <laughs> but sometimes I just want to know about veneering wood. Mm-hmm. Craig Thibodeau has a book for you called Veneering, I think. Is that the title he of it? He didn't even mess around with the no, title. No, huh? it's, it's like something, the, the how and why of, no. <laughs> <laughs> the how and why but, of veneering. I mean, that's that brilliant, that to me, that's that classic Taunton book where you want to dry wood, you want to chip carve, you want to do whatever, you want to learn about veneering, buy this book, and it is going to be your resource. And yeah. it, I mean, it can't come from... A more qualified person. No. And here, Craig here's the thing. I was out there um, when Craig was, I guess, three quarters of the way through the writing of the book and f- photographing it. And um, he has in his neighborhood, you know, within spitting distance, I guess, but maybe not spitting distance, but driving distance, um, Patrick Edwards. Yeah. And so when Craig had a question about anything that was really he felt may not have been in his wheelhouse – he went to the expert for the advice, you yeah. know, about, you know, glues and, you know, traditional methods and things like that. So, you know, anything Craig didn't know, he got the info from straight from the horse's mouth. So I mean, speak. so so like let's say 84 percent of the world's veneering knowledge is based out of that neighborhood in San Diego. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was great. You know, it was also, an, I, you know, when he went to talk to Patrick about, it was just like one small detail. It wasn't like it was a whole chapter, but he had some questions and um, he brought me over to Patrick Edwards' shop. And I tell you, it was just like amazing for me because it was the first time I had seen Patrick's shop. And it's quite a place. It's kind of hard to describe. It looks like a house on a quiet residential street. You go inside and the whole front room is filled up with probably a few million dollars worth of antiques, you know, waiting wow. for, to be fixed or um, Don't give us restored in some way. No. <laughs> and then you go into the back and it's like this big wood shop. It's pretty amazing. Cool. But anyway, so yeah, Craig's book is amazing. And he also, to Mike's point, Craig is he's a strictly business kind of guy when it comes to the woodworking. And so he's not, 
fluffing anything. It's all down and dirty. It's precise. It's efficient. It works. Yeah. And so that's his philosophy. Well, Craig, Craig and I have been talking. We're, we're going to have him on. Have him Skype in or something cool. like that and Great. do an episode, a guest host episode soon. So, um, we, all should, right. we should go out there. I, yeah, so San Diego. Okay, fine. Yeah, just don't go at the end of May. Why? It's the beginning of the June swoon. Gray May, June swoon. Mm. That's when I uh, go. And it's after, always like 50 degrees and raining. Huh. It sucks. So, I like, mean, like Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, when I was out there last year, Connecticut was warmer than San Diego. Huh. It rained the entire time I was there. Very sad. You taking notes? Yeah. I'm taking notes. To that's live what in I Connecticut do. and go to San Diego for a week and have the weather <laughs> suck because that's probably the only week of the year that it sucked. Well, I go out there for the uh, the San Diego Woodworkers uh, show. That's part part of the reason I go. But and so it's always at the same time of year, end of May. And the first time I went, I was like, yeah, it's San Diego. I'm psyched. I'm going to pack some shorts. You know, who needs a sweatshirt? Blah, blah, blah. I got out there and I was freezing. I actually had to buy a sweatshirt because <laughs> I was like, so cold. I didn't pack a jacket or anything. I thought, hey, I'm going to be California, baby. And I was so miserable. <laughs> so the next time I went out, I brought a sweatshirt. and uh, But I didn't bring enough, like, long sh- long sleeve shirts or long, you know, long pants. So... The third time I went out, I was basically packing for like a fall trip to New England. <laughs> anyway, let's all right, on. let's uh, let's answer another question. This one's from Ron. What are your opinions on various panel clamps available? And he specifically asked about the Damstum clamps. Yeah, um, and are they worth buying? In most of your videos or articles, I see shop-made wooden calls and lots of bar clamps, but I'm looking for a less stressful way since I struggle to keep things flat as I rush to get clamps on before the glue sets up. Hmm. I've never used this particular style of clamp. I've used the um, the wood, I think they're Wood River, the four-way clamps. We have a couple of those. With the notched wooden calls in the clamps on each end. Yeah, Yeah. these these guys. A lot of times you just get the hardware and you just supply the wood yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean that the... These are the the, dam stump is kind of the same except there is no real downward pressure being applied by the crossbars as you tighten. Okay. I mean you're just sort of manually with your hand pushing down as you tighten. Yeah. Both of those things are not really going to get you, I think, all the way where you want to go. Another system, which we have in the shop and I really like, I use for years and years and years, is the Plano clamp yeah. system. Cool thing is about that. Is that the that, one that's like built into the wall? You have to hang, yeah. you hang it on the wall. You just yeah. you hang it onto the wall. So, I mean, that takes up no floor space in your shop, which is really cool. Um, they're pricey. I think it's like around 400 plus to Ooh. give you... You know, I think maybe three uprights and two little or a little channel piece that they hang from. And then you still need to, on a long panel, you still need to add clamps because yeah. to get the, you know, to spread out the clamping pressure where you want. They they actually, I think they do a good job of aligning your parts. But um, that said, I've switched to uh, wood battens and mm-hmm. bar clamps. Yeah. Because... It's really hard to get downward pressure right over the joints on a panel glue up, and that's really what you want. Anything that's clamping from the sides, even if it's putting some downward pressure as you're clamping, 
it's really not translating 100% all the way across the board. Right. So I think um, I used to do uh, wooden calls, I mean a curved call made out of wood. Yeah. And, you know, as you as you clamp that down, it sort of flattens out and it puts a lot of pressure in the center. And, and that, works, um, that works well, but a, a method I use that I think works even better than that Something I picked up from Bob Van Dyke at Connecticut Valley School of Woodworking. Um, he uses business call uh, business cards. I use um, wooden shims, and I, I just have straight uh, clamping calls, like uh, eight quarter maple calls, probably four inches wide. So they're almost two inches by four inch maple calls, and I'll tape wooden shims to the calls right over the joints in the panel. And let's mm-hmm. say. You know, the center joint, I might use a pair of shims, and let's say it's four boards, so the outer two joints, I might use a single shim. And it, you're basically creating a, a custom curved call with downward pressure right over your glue line. So, yeah. so, so you've got two shims in the center. Yeah. One shim on the side. So it is – it's – you're able to dial in the amount of pressure. So if you've got three joints yeah. in, a, in a glue up, you can – Exactly. You can all level. Modify yeah. your number of shims for that. Yes. Didn't Bob, wasn't that in an article on the wedge? Was that? It may in that have article? been. I think, yeah. I know I've seen it, you know, the, the wedge trick. A lot of times, yeah, you can get opposing wedges in the center of a call. A lot of that, like if you're gluing up like a bookcase, maybe 12 inches deep, and you have some shallow clamps, which is sitting, hitting the front and the back, and it's hard to get the glue pressure all the way across. If you use a call and you can, you know, um, throw some opposing really thin wedges at the center, you can just basically apply some clamping pressure there. Um, here's a really, really good tip is that if you tighten your clamps across a joint first and then you try to tighten <laughs> your calls, the boards are not going to align. They're going to be stuck in whatever position they are when yeah. you tighten them. So tighten your calls first um, because as tight as those calls are, you can clamp across those joints and still get a lot of glue pressure across the joint. But if you clamp across the joints first, those calls, um, it's really hard to get those boards aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I used to really sweat, you know, getting these panel glue-ups perfectly flat. And I used to use that Plano in our yeah. shop. And I still, you know, you still wind up cleaning up glue squeeze out. So I, I don't get stressed out about keeping the panels like totally flat. I do my best and I use calls and stuff, but I know I'm going back to surface again. So yeah. I, I, as long as I'm, you know, <laughs> not completely out of alignment uh, and you know, the calls are what I use. I use wooden calls and I have the, I kind of tapered them a little bit on each end. So, um, and I use packing tape around them so the glue doesn't stick. Right, to that's them. a good um, idea. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't. I used to get really stressed out about panel glue ups because you know trying to get the calls on and you know when yeah. things would get out of alignment, I'd be like, oh, I got to take all the clamps off and redo yeah. it, and then yeah. things jam up. And um, now it's you know I'm like, all right, I'm I messed up a little bit over here. It'll be fine as long as it's just not kind of making a you know a sleigh bed on me. I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I think the the thing that I used to do is I would try and I mostly just have bar clamps. I would try and like 
balance the panel glue up on the balanced bar clamp on top of oh, my bench. Oh, sure. Yes. As opposed to having calls under the glue up that raises yeah. everything up, that lets mm-hmm. you slide the bar clamps in wherever you want them. And the more shops I go to, the more I see two big four by four beams or something the like little that. Little bench horses. Yeah. Yep, yeah. To raise that glue up, up and be able to slide the clamps wherever you need them. Um, so you, you, You've got these bench horses, you call them. Yeah. You've got these bench horses. They're sitting there. And then you've got your clamps all spread out along the bench. And they're then already you start set up to the right yeah, length. Because you, you practiced handy. it. You're chill. Glue, do not yeah. rush the glue off. Yeah, Just don't rush. Crap. <clears throat> really make sure your edges are jointed really square. Make yeah. sure, you know, it's all going to come together. Before you get glue on stuff. <laughs> and make sure that the clamps don't jam up on you. Yeah. <laughs> of of all the glue ups, I mean, I think if you if you prepare well, of all the glue ups, a panel glue up is the least likely to go wrong on you. If your prep is good, yeah. yes, yeah. you're exactly right. So yeah. it's like yeah. you can stack the odds in your favor on panel glue ups. Everything else you're screwed. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, um, it's hard to reverse something. Yeah. <laughs> actually, for me, my evolution was kind of the opposite of yours, Tom, in that when I would do big like panel glue-ups, like in college when I was learning woodworking, it was just assumed I was going to take these panels to someone's wide belt drum sander yeah. and sand them down. And if I lost an eighth of an inch, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I started getting into hand planing and it's sort of like your first time hand planing a glued up panel will really inform your next panel glue up and how close you try to get that. That's true. I yeah. Mean, I used to think that a really good panel glue up for me, honestly, like with if there was any, you know, within a 64th of an inch, I didn't want a, any sort of offset greater than a 64th. That's pretty good. If you can feel it, no big deal. Now, um, the good glue up for me is. If when I take my scraper to kind of scrape the glue line once it's dry, I should be able to scrape that joint flush mm-hmm. with a hand scrape, card scraper, without even pulling out a, a hand plane to, you know, really flatten that. That's ideal. It's well, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I aim for perfection. But That's I'm not, ideal. But I'm not <laughs> aiming for within a 64th. I'm really yeah. kind of aiming for... Perfect. It's it's yeah. like when you when you take the scraper to scrape the glue off. If the glue comes off both edges, yeah, you're good. You, otherwise, you know, if you're not flush, there's that little pool along one edge, along and one you're like, yeah, but don't I'm keep screwed. scraping until you get rid of that because now you just have a trough at every glue line, right? Yeah, like that first scrape. It, it that's exactly right. That's kind of my indicator of how well I've done. I'll scrape until I get one edge of that glue up to wood. Okay. And then if there's glue on the other side, okay, that's just where you missed it. You may be able to get that with a scraper, but I'm not going to – I'm going to start scraping across the entire surface, probably at a 45-degree angle. Mm-hmm. And if it's still not, then I'll get a hand plane scrape sort of 45, 45 and yeah. with it. So Yeah. What I what I do, I don't do – I haven't built anything really large you know, or wide, but when I, when I have, um, I built a few ca- – a couple of cabinets a few years ago for my daughter and – the way I did the glue up is I glued them up in sections and then flattened those. Yeah. And then that's that one glue line 
from when I was putting the the whole thing together. Oh, That's when I was really dialing yeah. it in to make sure. Oh my gosh, this is it, and we're going. I think I did have a little bit of an undulation on one of them, but that's not a bad way to go. But it's you know it's kind of what I'm limited to in yeah. my shop. Right? That's a smart way of going. If you have to get to that point, well, it's yeah. also less stressful. You know, when yeah. you have when you have you know two glue lines versus like three or four or six. You know, for me. You know, it's all about reducing stress. Yeah. <laughs> and it works for yeah. me with the equipment I have. Anyway. I've done a glue-up where it was like, oh, that just – that panel glue-up, that just didn't work. Okay, saw right through the joint. That's true. You, yes. can you know, it's like you could – like uh, all right, I just yeah. lost an eighth you, of an inch of width, but yeah. whatever. You can't cut apart a table, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you could. Uh, all right. Now, let's let's move on to our all-time favorite tools of all time. For this week. I thought and we were doing smooth move. You don't you do that <laughs> because we were supposed to do smooth move and then I screwed up and I kept a tool on the script and you're like, oh. So, do you want to go first? Nah. <laughs> I'll go. I'm yeah, just being ahead. difficult. But yeah, go ahead. I know when you're being difficult. <laughs> Mine is going to be the piece de resistance. All right. All right. That's Irish for the best. What you got? I had to give moment for crickets. <laughs> um, mine is just my little sharpening stone holder, and my, it's a riff on. Okay, so Woodsmith Shop, Don something, the guy Pesci, 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 Pesci. That's what I thought. Pesci. I want to say Pesky from Seinfeld, but it's not that. No. Um, he did a riff on Bob Van Dyke's sharpening stone holder. Oh. Posted to Instagram. And he, you know, posted the picture and said, hey, you know, I saw Bob Van Dyke sharpening stone holder and this is my take on it. And he left an area for the stones to be held on the top. And I saw that. I said, wow. That's cool. I can one up that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And mine is just it's it's a simple little box with with three little um, nooks in there, if you will. And the top, uh, the edges are raised up on it, so the stone just sits in there, and that's what holds it while I'm sharpening. Um, it just is one of those stupid little things I think I took one morning to make, and every time I use it, it makes me happy because all of my stones are right where they need to be. Everything is right there. Just get to sharpening. Yeah. And with with the method music, I don't have to flatten anything. You know, I don't. It's it's all right there, all in one little little box. So it just makes me happy. It's a box of happiness. It is cool. There's yeah. the title of the episode: Ben's Box of Happiness. I don't think that's going to be the title of the episode. Subhead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll give you that one. Hello, yeah. those, those are really really cool. I made something really similar to that. For I bought a set of um, what do you call this? The thickness gauges, little bars of different. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. From Infinity, they're about the size of a piece of chewing gum in various yeah. thicknesses. Of course, from like a sixteen feeler gauge, feeler gauge. No, no. no. setup Space, gauge. setup blocks, setup blocks. Oh, setup yeah. blocks. Okay. I was um, 
So it's just a handful of these little things, but they came in this massive plastic clamshell case. Foam cut out. With like yards of foam. And you like pull down this massive briefcase. It looks like you have like the nuclear command codes like inside (laughs) of it just for this little setup block. So um, I made a similar thing to what you have in the overall dimension to hold every single block. It's maybe like an inch wide by five inches long by four inches high. Yeah. Just like zip, zip, zip. They'd all just fit in there perfectly. And like, that's the coolest thing. I pull that out and I like the setup blocks, but I like pulling them out of my little case and putting them back into place as much as anything else. So I get that. That's really cool. Much better. Sounds much more appealing than my Tupperware case. For your stones? For my stones. Yeah, but water stones, that's, that's a, I mean, unless you've got the Norton tackle box thing yeah. which is awesome chris gockner liked that he and he he uses it and you have one yes they're yes i travel with that, that they're like, awesome like yeah. suspend your stones in the water that thing or is, water wheel is awesome yeah um i made a little case for my shaptons when i had them and uh, you got rid of them i did i, I sold wanted them, them dude I tried to sell them to you like every day for Thanks. three weeks. Thanks. Thanks for thinking of me. It was always like, so did Tom buy those Chapman's from you? No, not yet. <laughs> we'll eat one of these days. Waiting. <laughs> Waiting. Speaking of Tupperware, I was making tacos the other night, which I want to do. And, you know, if you have three tacos, which is the magic number for a first serving of tacos, okay. and you try to put Thank them on the plate. Thank you for the first serving part. Um, yes. You know, it's hard to keep them upright. And yes, you can make taco stands. We have not run in those in our magazine for some reason but we need to we should um but i had a small tupperware it was maybe only two inches high it was maybe six inches long and only about four inches three or four inches wide so it was a long rectangular shallow tupperware perfect size for three taco shells to hold them vertical no mess no spill Excellent. It's funny. Every time I go to a restaurant and, you know, we have a great Mexican restaurant in our town and someone always orders tacos. Yes. And they always bring it out in a fancy little rack where it's upright and pretty. And I'm like, why don't I have that at home? We eat tacos all the time. Like the kids, like, well, my son's at college, but it's still my, one of my daughter's favorite things. Like tacos. What do we want for dinner? Tacos. Yes. So yeah, maybe we should do a a wood taco holder. And not just for laminated. We'll have Michael Fortune design it. Oh, <laughs> well, would like that ta- be wild? The taco we could shows. do a roundup of contributing editors doing yes, different doing taco, taco stands. stands. Like the tea They box. would love the that. They'd be taco so excited. They actually would. I don't know. I bet they would. That'd be awesome. One way of finding Raleigh out. Will have, Raleigh will have a heater or something on his, you know, yes. some sort of motorized and his contraption. would be made out of chicken feet that are holding <laughs> the taco shells. Uh, Mike, is that your uh-huh. all-time favorite tool of all time for this week? Mm, it will be next time. Okay. Um, my all-time favorite tool of all time for the week is actually um, not exactly a tool. It's a person. Not that the person is a tool <laughs> in, in no means whatsoever, but my favorite person of all time for this week is your wife, fine woodworking editor, Barry Dima. Because after the last episode when I was complaining that I didn't have a pair of dividers, he gave me an extra pair of dividers that he had. And they're awesome. So thank you, Barry. So dividers are my favorite tool of all time for the week. And since Barry gave them to me, Barry is my all-time favorite tool of the week. 
Can't argue with that. Divider, wow. I, I don't know how you didn't have dividers. I don't either. Because it's like, dang, where are my dividers? And yeah. now I have them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've got, I'm, I'm on the verge of a divider issue. Huh. Where I have too many. Okay. But Give it to Mike, then you could be a tool of the week. I'm no Barry Dima. This is true. Dima almost sounds like a tool. The Dima tool. I mean, Dima sounds like a ska band. Ska band. <laughs> hey, Barry. Hey, Barry. How you doing? <laughs> All right. Barry's out in Utah right now. Yeah. Chris Cochner. He might be driving out yeah, of I think Vegas. He's oh, and then he's, he's driving to Vegas. He's probably in, like, in Moab right about now. Yes. Getting, getting a suntan with the top down. Living the dream. Doing his best Hunter Thompson impression. I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> Barry, if you're listening, if you get arrested, you're fired. <laughs> so that's how. Next, we have another question. No, what's your favorite? Oh, tool I have time? a tool. Well, you, you, oh my gosh, <laughs> I almost forgot. Well, oh, you brought it. Oh, I have it. I, all right. So those of you who are listening can't see what I have, but I have. I have no little hammers in my in my shop, and every time I go to you know put a little brad or something in, yeah. I'm always like grabbing a either my a framing hammer, which is 27 ounces, which is overkill, or just one of those stand you know little house hammers. And so I I've been looking at buying one, and I always forget you know till I till I need it. Yes. I never yeah. think about it when I'm at like Woodcraft or you know looking at online catalogs. So we I was cleaning out a section of the shop just this week and I came across this little beat up tiny hammer and I fell in love and you stole it. I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how long it's been in there. It was buried a bunch of, you know, among a bunch of other junk. And so I am going to have some fun. I'm going to clean up the head, kind of flatten. I don't know how I'll do it. I may mess it up, but I want to flatten the, the face a little bit. You want to flatten it too more. much. You want to do a little. Um, it's a little beat up. It, yeah, it's it like up, chipped on the end there. Make a new handle, and now yeah. I've got a little tack hammer. Yeah. So yeah. I am, like, so excited. And plus I get to make something out of wood to go with it. So, um, And you get to play with your spokeshave, which is another of your all-time favorite tools of all time. Yes. Thank you, Bob Van Dyke, for pointing that out, by the yeah. way, because he's the one that turned me on to that spokeshave. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of things cooler than a small hammer. And that is like at the flea markets when I'm looking for anything, not any more number fours or number fives, please. Or Stanley 78 rabbit planes. It's like, no more. Oh, Stanley 78 but, rabbit planes are like yeah. everywhere. But everyone, you need to own at least one. However, this, a small hammer, oh. there's no limit. Yeah. I know. I, I was just, I, was, I saw it and I said, yeah, just pitch it. And then I thought, wait, no, it's kind of cool looking. I don't know what, there's no. It's probably just some generic hammer that someone bought at a tax sale. Yeah, or but something. it's from like but, the 30s when all the hammers were yeah, great. It just feels great. Yeah, you know, don't swing it if you want to. Oh, that, the head's not attached, but it's just like but that. Even that is an elegant handle. It's very slender. I know, and I'm I I thought about trying to repair it, but I think it's it's a little worn. So I'll just make a you know use that as the pattern. Yeah, re- right. repeat it, and then yeah, yeah and I redo think do it. There's there's a little I there's have, too many uh, wedges. As, as in this head. Ben had pointed out to me just this past week, I have a lot of wood, so 
you know, I'm you gonna, are, sacrifice. you have an, a, a hoarding issue. It turns out I'm going to sacrifice. Well, the problem is I kept my wood, some of the wood in our wood shop here and I have a stash at home. Wait, you forgot. have more at home? Yeah. I forgot about what I had here. So now my wife, yeah. my wife is a little upset at me. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, All right. So that it's my little hammer nice. and, I, and I can't wait to use it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got a question about Garrett Hack's hunt board that Tom is probably going to tell funny stories about because he shot that, right? Yes. All right. So don't let us down. Not to the funny stories. Okay. Hi, I'm Tom McLaughlin, host of Rough Cut with Fine Woodworking, sponsored in part by Felder Group. Season eight is now airing on PBS and brings unusual, unique design inspiration and easy-to-follow project instruction to woodworkers at every skill level. Check your local listings or visit finewoodworking.tv to watch right now. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Steve Aiken, the editor of Fine Gardening Magazine. And I'm Danielle Sherry. I'm the senior editor at Fine Gardening. And since you obviously have excellent tastes in podcasts, we'd like to suggest another one you might like. It's called Let's Argue About Plants. The podcast for people who love plants. Just not always the same ones. Subscribe today for great plant recommendations and expert opinions on what will make your garden special. You'll find Let's Argue About Plants on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See, we went for almost a minute without arguing. And Tom is still staring at his hammer. I'm just trying. I'm 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 looking at the geometry of the face. How much I'm gonna grind and what kind of making a hammer handle is an art. Yes, um, I I have a little hammer that I made a handle for, and I need to do it again because it sucks. You know, it's really cool. It's the only time where you're riving wood and you end up with like a little banana-shaped piece, which is always, almost always, no, that's really bad. You need really straight grain for, you know, drawer stretchers or spindles or something like that. But a little banana-shaped ribbon piece of wood, you orient that just right and yeah. that becomes like a really cool handle I for used a to hammer. Have, I used to have huh. a framing hammer that had kind of a curve to yeah. it. And it was really good for, for driving until, well... So I think someone stole it from the job site, but huh. it's funny. I it's that you mentioned riving because it's exactly how I was planning to make this. I've got a bunch of scrap woods, and I was just going to go, yeah, know, give it a split and see where it goes, nice. and then just yeah. shape and that's and awesome. some fun. Yep. Well, speaking of uh, riving keep, hammer handles, I'm going to keep holding my hammer. Question from Craig: I am going to build Garrett Hack's hunt board from 187. One thing I'm unsure of is how to attach the draw runners. The only thing shown in the text and plan is that they are tenoned at the front to the rails, with no mention of the back. They can't be mortised into the back panel like the kickers due to the assembly order, and simply gluing them into the sides would lead to cross-grain gluing situations. Uh, I've thought of a couple ways of attaching them, one being sitting on cleats to, attached to the case back or screwed into the side partitions with elongated holes. Do you guys have any thoughts or know how Garrett secured these pieces? We do before we tell you, because Tom's going to tell you, both of those um, solutions. They'll work. They're great. Yeah. That's, there you go. I, I think, think the one. cleats might be a little how more fussy. You, how to are get you going to, yeah. Get that, you know, it's more work, but I, I would certainly. I don't know how you would attach them to the back. The cleats? 
Well, if it's already assembled and you're throwing the dividers in there or the runners in there when the back is already in place, you could you could you mortise just, the cleat and yeah, you know you just, and I would, tend in the, the the runner pocket hole. And Mike takes a swing at me. Duck. You want the hammer, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> the head falls off. Just be careful. <laughs> no, I think that those solutions would be good. It's yeah. funny with that. When I saw the question, I, I was like, boy, I know. I think Garrett, someone asked that question a while ago, and I could have sworn that Garrett had answered it. So I did a, did a bunch of digging. So Garrett did answer it. But the funny thing is, while I was digging... Um, looking at photos, I thought, boy, you know, maybe I know I photographed it or I thought I did. And maybe we just didn't publish the photo. But while I was digging for a photo, I came across just Garrett is so much fun to work with. And I this was an outtake that that Ben put up. And it just it's kind of it personifies Garrett yeah. in his shop. He yeah. is just so damn happy. Can I say damn? Um, You're the boss working working in his little Vermont shop. And, yeah, you know, it's, he's such a fun person to work with, and but he was just so happy building this piece, and it's a beautiful piece. But getting to the root of the question, Garrett did answer um, a similar question in the following issue, in issue number one eighty eight, in the letter section. He he talked about how he attached the the runners, and basically he he glues them in at the front, and then uses screw he screws them to the partitions. With elongated holes? I don't think he said elongated. I think he I think he only screws at the front. Sorry, I've got to get my my peepers on. Um there's like one screw at the center. In the drawing. Yeah, so let me let me read what he what he right. says. Um I've allowed the for the middle movement of the cross from the sliding So basically, he uh, yeah, it is. He screws it at the front and screws and glues it at the front. And the screw, you know, it's hard to see in the original plan, but it's there if you kind of zoom in. But um, yeah, he's, he glues it right to the to the partitions at the front. So it can the partitions can still move and they won't do any damage as they move. Yeah, the main challenge is that you've got this um, drawer runner going across the grain, yeah. so that's not moving uh, along its length, but the grain you're attaching to is running vertically, so that is moving. So it's one of those basic concepts of how do I attach something here that still allows the wood movement in the direction it wants to move. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of ways to go about doing it, and I think that is part of the challenge of woodworking is that you can – read and watch YouTube as much as you want. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think learning about the craft is really important, but at a certain point, you got to get in your shop and you got to make stuff. And you got to make mistakes. And you got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. obviously the more knowledge you have in terms of understanding wood movement and the challenge at hand, you kind of need to know what problem you need to solve, but then how you solve it, that's kind of the fun part. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, as I'm building, it's just like, oh, I guess I'll do it like that. And because I happen to take pictures of it and it may end up in an article, all of a sudden that becomes the way to do it. Nah, I just kind of – that's what made sense at that Yeah, time. that was the out sometimes. Yes. You know. Um, <clears throat> which doesn't mean it's a bad solution, but it, it's certainly not the only one. And it doesn't mean that 
you have to do it in the way that Garrett did it or Chris right. Bexford did it. Um, as long as you understand what you're trying to solve, just go for it. And, this, and, you know, this might be heresy, but, you know, if I were building the hunt board using this similar design, I might be inclined to put plywood as the partitions. There you go. And you just boom right you know, to it. And you can screw it. Aghast. And Garrett is, is probably getting ready to drive down from Vermont to slap me. Maybe we can do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, like, I think that's a good point that Mike raises. You don't have to do it this way. Sometimes yeah. you're limited in in what we show based on the gear that you have you yeah, know, the tools yeah or, exactly or the the knowledge of of hand you know what whatever whatever level of woodworking you're at i uh when i made my my side table um i didn't think of how i was going to mount the drawers until i was ready to mount the drawers oh, yeah i mean i had everything glued up i mean the drawer pockets in the front everything it was like all of a sudden was, i think tetro tried to warn me that was one of those, like, so how are you going to do this? I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And he was like, oh, you know. And yeah, like, I'm going to yeah, let, let him walk into this wall. Yes. But and I can... learned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's, there's something. I mean, it's both a hor- horrifying feeling, but it's also a challenge when, you, when, you've, when you've got something glued up and you realize you, you forgot something. I and will... it's like, oh. And I can't. I can. I can burn the piece, I guess. But I, I yeah. don't want to start over. Now I've got to really kind of figure it out. It turned into a thing I was really proud of, where I made like these these wooden L brackets, if you will. And uh-huh. I didn't have cross grain issues, so I was right. able to just glue just them to the, to, to the yeah. sides. And I flipped the thing over. And I stuck the drawers in, and I got them perfectly lined up. I might have even taped them in place. There you go. Stuck the runners in there. And tape them in place, and I think I use some brad nails or something here and there. But it, it, the the drawers function perfectly. Unfortunately, my son's incapable of closing them all at the same time. That doesn't change. Okay, um, but it's one of those things that now it's like, wow, I really backed myself into a corner, but I figured it out, and that's just a just as much of a prideful act. Okay, here, here's yes. here's that's an empirical right. question for you. What? As woodworkers, you know, we love fixing problems and mistakes and covering them up so that no one notices. Why do we tell people about them? It's my living. <laughs> I, I think because overcoming – it's not like here's no, a No, I mean in terms of like when, when someone is looking at your furniture, like not a woodworker, yeah. like a family member or a friend yeah. or whatever. Oh, that's really pretty. Yeah, but I really messed up. <laughs> you can't see that. Because that's all you it's can see. It's just so see. funny. I do yeah. that so many times like yeah it's not that great because i i screwed that up but i i tried to hide it as best i could and then they're like yeah all right but yeah really why <laughs> it's funny it's just and i'm not i know i'm not the only one who does it woodworking is like golf and that the whole process is really just an accumulation of errors yeah gotta get to the hole somehow so, um, <laughs> i've used a driver in the rough i don't care <laughs> well, yeah. What if by any means no, necessary? You, you don't do that anymore, Mike. Well, right? I mean, a lot of it. I mean, that is that learning process. Oh crap! Here I am. I didn't think of it. How do I um, address this now? And then, so that's one type of problem solving, which is hugely important. Oh, yeah. And then you build a second table, and you said, you know what? I didn't think about it then, and I had to do that. What if I think about it now? And that's that second level of learning. I'm designing a sideboard right now, sort of similar to Garrett's, where. <clears throat> It's got a um, it's a it's a fairly long piece. It's got a vertical divider. There's a sliding door on one side. There's 
drawers on the other. So I have drawer partitions, I have vertical dividers, I have side frame and panels. And it's just like, how's it going to come together? What's the wood movement doing? And basically, all my entire design process right now is that as this holistic approach. What is this beast? What is this animal? How's it going to come together? Even to the point of order of operation. Okay, this is what it is. And what do I have to do first and second and third? What corners am I going to build myself into? And how do I address those? And maybe if I use this joint instead of this joint, the order of operation changes and it makes that one glue up. Instead of one nasty glue up, it's now three easier glue ups. And that's that whole... And, you know, that's like when my wife says, what are you you thinking about? Everything. It's like, (laughs) I... I can't tell you. I'm just working on a piece of furniture yeah. right now. Yeah. So. Sometimes. It, yeah. It's funny because, you know, you can, you know, we sell project plans, but the real challenge is, is I know there's a lot of technique in terms of machine skills and hand skills and building furniture, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, when we do project articles, we really focus on the step-by-step of the glue-up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that's where everything can go wrong. Yeah. You know, if you mess up a sequence, it's like, oh, man, I forgot to do that. Now I'm screwed. You know, I can't fix that. What do I do now? Well, and, I mean, order of operations for me, a lot of times that gets figured out in SketchUp. Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm one of those guys who I do, I do SketchUp, the joinery. And it might be just because... It's like the first time you're building it. Yes, it is. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see yourself, oh, I need to, I need to, to, you know, haunch this tenant or something like that. Right. And then you know, oh, when I build this, I need to haunch the exactly. tenant before I get, yes. before I get to this part. Yep. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when I don't do a sketch up like that table, I didn't think about all of the elements. Sure. And I think if I had used something like Steve Lotta's side table as the foundation for my design, that would have solved that problem too. So using a known thing, yeah, there's so many a good way, just so many pitfalls to think about as you're as you get more complex in what you're building. You know, there are always sequences, and and if you're a hobbyist, oftentimes you've got one shot. You know, yeah. you know, you're not typically making like a line of furniture to sell for clients. It's like I'm going to build one piece. I have to, I have to nail it because yeah. this is all the the good wood I've got. Yeah. A long, long time ago, you and I got into a conversation about building a bunch of stuff, and you had said, "Don't build four chairs at the same time. Build one, then build another." I don't think I said that. Really. Well, because because you had you had said that that you're going to learn you're going to make mistakes on the first one that you won't make on the second. Yeah, that's good advice. And the third I'd say build if build you're going to build then, four, build one, and then build three. a set. A set based okay. on that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sounds smart. That sounds like that something is. I'd say. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah. credit for saying that. Right. I have no recollection. Whatever. So, but you know, the other thing is like, you said, well, if I would have followed Steve Lattice plan on his little table, it would have ended up correct. And yeah, that's true. And and here's the downside to actually knowing things is that you can, without really realizing it, you start to work yourself into corners like, oh, well, that's the correct way to make a table. Now, every single table you make is going to have four legs, three aprons and two drawer stretchers and a drawer with sidewinders. 
it's like, well, that's a really good way to make that table, but what if you don't want a table to look like that? Yeah. So, but if you have it locked in, well, I know how to make a table. It sort of unintentionally locks you in design wise into a specific type of table. And then it's, then you have to break out of that. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no answer. Well, the answer is you, you, your designs expand and your skills expand and things change. Don't, yeah, I mean, it's a really long path. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. I mean, but I, I, want it I now. think about how, you know, the idea that Garrett, um, going back to Garrett, was he dil- he built a, a simple table with tapered legs, really kind of a nice little side table, bedside table, but did a, he did a, a spin out drawer, and Spinner. it changes that whole dynamic of building a table with that type of drawer changes. The whole oh, interior. Yeah. It changes everything that you it, – it's like you look at like the Steve Lotta model and then go to Garrett and it's like – Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all off. I mean the joint – the basic joinery is the same in terms of, you know, mortise and tenons for the legs and aprons. But that interior design and, and the pivoting point, it's all, it's all new. It's like science, yeah. you know. Or you learn how to make a little shaker table with tapered legs. And you do that by starting with square legs, do all your joinery, yeah. then you cut a taper and you have it stop at the bottom of the apron. Really nice. But then someone like Garrett says, I don't want that flat at the top of the leg. I want that taper to extend from the bottom all the way to the top of the leg. Ooh. And then that just opens up this huge can of worms to do a really subtly different thing requires oh. a completely different method of going about building it yeah and that's awesome yeah (laughs) angles change everything i I, on the cabinet on stand that i made i had never you know did any kind of joinery on on an angled surface and that's where the stretchers were and so it was a similar thing where it was a struggle just kind of trying to get that fit perfect every time and i kind of went through a lot of well, not a lot of wood, but I, I made a lot of mistakes, yeah. you know. A lot of cursing. I, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I'm not necessarily a jig person, so I was just trying to, you know, figure it out and kind of hack away at it until I got it right, and eventually I did. But yeah. it's, you know, it's a challenge. Yeah. Right up. Well, let's uh, let's hit some reader comments or listener comments. Um, we had, last episode we had Bob Van Dyke on, and Wow. People like Bob. Who doesn't like Bob? I don't know. But he, Bob's he has, awesome. But. He has a great open house. He's, he's got cheeseburgers at his yeah, open house. Absolutely. And a great tool auction. Yes. Well, not auction, but a tool sale. Yes. The best local tool sale I'm yeah, aware of. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually the only one I know of. I don't know any other places that have that kind of a, a tool sale except for yard sales. It turns out Hyperkitten lives like right down the road, though. So that's awesome. That big, means nothing. Big time to me. tool, vintage tool vendor, Hyper Kitten. Oh, Josh. So we don't have to pay shipping. We'll just go Hyper Kit stuff. Oh, does he sell yeah. stuff? Yeah. Does he like have a shop? He has a work, like his personal workshop. No, he doesn't have like no, not a storefront. He has a website. Oh, does he? And he has, don't tell. Don't say it on the air because I want to go check it out. I yeah. think it's hyperkitten.com. No. Got till Friday. Does he have any little hammers that need new handles? Yeah, probably. He might have little handles that need a hammer. This I don't know. Great hammer. Uh, let's see. From Mark Barabbas on the website for question number two. Mike, I don't think this is directed towards you. It was the question asker. Yep. 
about veneering. He says, apply a generous coat of Type-On-3 with a paint roller to both substrate and the veneer. Wait for both surfaces to almost dry. Using a hot iron, press the two surfaces together. The heat will activate the adhesive. This is further described in Mike Burton's book, Woodworker's Guide to Veneering and Inlay. Mario Rodriguez wrote an article on that for us many, many years ago. And he followed that up with another article on fixing veneers that had been applied <laughs> with PVA glue and iron. So yeah, we'll find both. That of them. was, I mean, that, try it on the sample board. That was a while ago. That was like what ninety nine, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was. It was yeah. one of the one of the, and I remember, you know, it was I was fairly new to the woodworking magazine. I remember it was like such a big controversy that Mario was doing that. That's crazy. And then people were writing in saying, that's crazy. I think the the issue was either bubbles in the process, how do you get rid of them? Um, Or it could be delamination or bubbles after the fact. How do you deal with that? I think there weren't there a bunch of Q&A, like people had written in with questions. And I remember there was some sort of a QA and a follow-up by Mario. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but it was quite the controversy. Yep. All right, and as, from as controversies go, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> huge. Oh yes, <laughs> don't do that. From Good Grief Garage, it was great getting to know Bob a little better. I also want to thank Ben for the helpful notes he posts for every episode. Thank you Bishop. for thanking me. Uh, and thanks to Mike for all the love and work he put into his new book. Right on, my pleasure. Um, and then via iTunes. We only had one this week, so I have to read this one. I did not do this on purpose. Great show, guys. Ben, you make the no- you may be the novice, but you make the show five stars. Much appreciated. I normally don't read things like that. It's my yeah. only option leave, today. Leave some space for crickets. I agree with the five stars. I don't necessarily agree that you're a novice. Do you? I don't think you. I I try and represent the novice. Okay. That said, YouTube. Sometimes I ask questions I do know the answers to. You're playing the role of the I'm, novice. I, it's, I'm trying to do a service to the listener. Yes. That's why I act stupid. Yeah, that's it. Here's my next smooth move. Upside down hammerhead. All right. <laughs> uh, any recommendations? iTunes, Apple Music. I'm a late adapter on everything digital. I've been screaming this for years, man. Okay. Well, now it's finally getting to the point All where right. it's valid. Um, I don't and, care what it is. I mean, there's a lot of different music streaming device things. Um, Apple, however, Apple Music is the most fair to the to the artist. Yeah, it is the crack of music. I yeah. think um, free, you know, three month free trial. It's like, yeah, and you can just like not do this. It's like, yeah, I'm going to stop now that I've assembled an entire library of music for free. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I've downloaded probably I don't know twenty albums. All the old stuff that I like that I just couldn't repurchase and all the new stuff that it's like, that's cool. I like that song. I'm not going to pull the trigger and spend $9.99 on it. I was like, boom, it's all there. Yeah. I always, I always vowed to if I really like something, then if I listen to it a lot, then I'll go buy the CD too. Okay. Just to That's good. The, reward the artiste. Yes. If it's a total scam and the artists are getting burned on this just for my pleasure, I apologize. Um, no, it is the most fair. That as far as I know, it's the most fair. Okay. Well, I, I probably use the um, the least YouTube fair. Comments? I use um, Amazon Prime. I don't music. know. Cool. I don't know. 
I'm an Apple nut, so whatever. And it's funny. It's allowed me to go back and revisit some like albums that I had when I was like in high school. Yeah. And it's like I never bought the CD versions of them. So right. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to listen to. I don't want to buy another Fog Hat. Did you throw CD. away your your Fog Hat cassettes now? No, no, okay. I still have Foghat Live. I, when I was cleaning out my basement, I came across my album collection, wow. and I have the original Foghat Live album cover, which was kind of cool. Like you could flip it around. Uh, I don't want to yeah, it. yeah, you should stop. We're going into the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a fog hat. It was a baseball cap with just the word fog on it. All right, we got two minutes left on that card, and Jeff is not here to put another card in, so I am going to wrap this up. That's all for this episode of Shop Talk Live. We'd like to... Oh, we don't have a sponsor to thank. Oh, sorry. Crossing that out. I didn't say outro this time. Uh, If you have questions you'd like us to answer on the show, send them into shoptalkattaunton.com. If you're watching on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. So like Sonic Youth, Replacements, Who's Do, all the Pixies, Pixies, Smashing Pumpkins, just, all these pre-digital bands, which is like, I'm not paying for it. I, I forgot how rocking the Pixies were. Yes. They, they were one of the downloads I had recently, and I was like, oh my God, I forgot how awesome these guys were. Yeah.